0: Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world to hear fantastic stories of their journeys. And through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gears, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockton Cyclery for supporting bike pack adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks, and keep on peddling.
1: In this week's episode, I'm interviewing Mario Yaring, a Swedish girl that divides her time between cycling, snowboarding, and surfing. She's a really cool girl that is not afraid to go and explore outside of her comfort zone, wants to travel the world, and doesn't let the fact that she's a female traveling solo limit her and her ability to do so. I think she's a real inspiration to women all around the world that are looking to do something. And, and sometimes as women, it's hard to go and do these adventures. And, and she addresses this in today's discussion. And she talks about ways that she overcomes it, what she does to, to be careful, and why she continues to do these things, even though she knows that it can be a little bit more dangerous than it would be for a man. Marielle has cycled across the U.S., east to west, north to south, she has cycled across New Zealand, and circumnavigated Australia. And we're not talking simple cycling days, she really pounds out the mileage, really just gives her, and it's a wonderful, wonderful interview to hear her share her story. So guys, enjoy the show, and I really hope that she empowers some women out there to take on a massive adventure. You don't have to do it as hardcore as Marielle by any means. But get out of your comfort zone, just go for it, and don't let anything stand in your way. Enjoy the show, guys. All right, Marielle Yaring, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Chris. Nice to talk with you.
1: And it's, uh, I, I really, I, I enjoy the way that I've, a lot of the the people on my show that I've had so far, is it's been through word of mouth. So I think it's really great, just the cycling community in general.
2: Yeah, I think I get like, a all of you through Adam, a guy that is on his way to Alaska at the moment. Yeah, he's fine and, today. Uh, yeah, and I never met him myself. we also just been keeping contact over, I think it's just because of social medias. You know, you just um, cross patterns sometimes with mm-hmm. people. And uh, yeah, he was just talking about you as well. And yeah, it's pretty cool. And I'm really looking forward to maybe one day meet these people as well that you've been following you know, all over the world when they're on the bike, and so it could happen. Cool. Yeah,
1: I think there's a good chance of it happening.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I almost catch up with one guy now in uh, Perth, but he was one day too fast. So yeah, I didn't get to meet oh, him, but we said another time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Why not start with uh, you just telling us who who is Mariella Yaring?
2: Okay, so I'm Marielle, and I'm a Swedish girl. And um, the last fifteen years, I've been living kind of my own way of uh, life. Um, I've been doing 15 seasons in Austria and St. Anton snowboarding. And um, I also do surf a lot. And I spend a lot of time in Indonesia. And uh, since I was a kid, I've always been very active. And mm-hmm. I grew up in a family with a mom and a twin sister. Oh. And um, we could never really afford to have a car when I was a kid. So we always biked everywhere. So even my mom when she picked us up from kindergarten. She did it with a bicycle and we live in north of Sweden. So it's pretty cold and snowy winters. We have up to minus 35 here sometimes. And she biked mm-hmm. always and uh, she wow. had like a trolley behind her bike. So uh, yeah, that was my way of like growing up. So for me, this was just normal to, to be on a bicycle. And um, then also later on, we didn't have a car until I was 20. Actually, so okay. we always biked everywhere. But we couldn't really afford to have good bikes i mean it was good enough but um yeah i don't know i just always had that mindset that you just have to do it kind of so yeah. now when i'm a older and i can afford to have my own bike yeah it's, it's really uh, a good way to see the world mm-hmm. and explore things so now uh, after doing winter seasons and surfing i just got into doing some big tours and uh yeah just explore the world that way literally
3: <laughs>
1: I um, would
2: say and go ahead sorry <laughs> yeah Oh, sorry yeah so I'm a very like outdoor person and um yeah I think it's it's awesome that you can use your body to transport yourself and uh two years ago I started to get into the to the touring with a friend of mine, mm-hmm. Frida. So we, we crossed America together from the east to the west yeah and we had not a clue when we started we just did this as a fun thing together and it was so like it was such a good journey we had so much fun and you know when you learn from your mistakes so everything we did it was just the uh, yeah what do you say like the first time trial so it and was error really, yeah 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 definitely so we, i learned heaps from that and then Every like minute on the road, I loved it. Like it was not not even like one day of those headwind days and the rainy mm-hmm. days that I felt like I hated it. So I really really enjoyed my time being on the bike, and I thought this is the way I want to see the world. And then I decided that I just want to keep on going. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people when they do touring biking, they do they maybe leave for a year or two yeah. and do very long trips. While for me, I'm more interested in doing big trips, but maybe for four or five months a year, because I also like to do other things between. And I also feel that I may be missing out a little bit too much in in things happening back home with families Mm -hmm. and friends if you gone for too long. So that's my way of biking just to like break it up, but do big, big tours and yeah, so i guess that's a little bit of the background to why i started biking and yeah i just love it <laughs> like it's such a good way to transport yourself yeah, i have yeah. to say
1: and does your sister bike as well
2: mm-hmm. uh yeah she do like my whole family they still bike mm-hmm. but i mean now my mom has a car because she lives pretty far from uh, the city so she used that sometimes but we all bike in heaps and also um, when I was finished crossing America then I also did the whole west coast of America and oh, then cool. my mom flew in so we yeah so we actually biked from um, San Diego back up to San Francisco together mm-hmm. and she is six, she was 66 years old back then <laughs> so it's a pretty cool thing that you can do all this stuff you know even if you're older or whatever it yeah. doesn't really matter as long as you you have the health I guess and the fitness for it they can still do it. Yeah, so they all bike, all of them.
1: Oh, that's really cool, though, that you did that trip with your mom too. That's that's pretty neat. And uh, how many kilometers yeah, was it? You cycled across America. It was about ten thousand or something, right?
2: Uh, that was nine thousand four hundred k's. We did in eighty-seven days. Okay. But um, then, because you know, it was the first tour, so we said, let's do hundred k per day
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to start with so that was we did that every day we didn't have any rest days and okay. the, the the only thing was because we started from the east to the west and this is the trans-american trail that we followed yeah and everyone told us that we have to start from west to east because we will have a uh, headwinds right. and also the weather you know because we were starting in september so it was getting into winter mm-hmm. so uh yes yeah, so we had like literally everything against us and we met a few people coming from the west while we did the tour <laughs> and they all say like you guys are never gonna make it it's gonna be too cold and too snowy and you're never gonna make it through yellowstone national park before mm-hmm. it's closing and uh, so we have literally everything against us but we did make it but it was really tough so we ended up in a few snowstorms and yeah. a few battles but uh, i don't know it was just i mean it was just uh, a challenge and it was fun and we, we made it. So, um, yeah, we also, the reason why we did from the east to the west was because we wanted to save uh, all the mountains and and the west coast for the last. Because if we had a few days um, more, you know, after the tour was finished, it's nicer to hang out on that side of America, I think, right. than on the east coast. So that was why we, we literally did it from the start that we went against the wind and, and the rules so when you do the trans-American trail. But it was an amazing experience. And we also got to stay in a lot of churches along the way because mm-hmm. we realized pretty fast that in a lot of the small towns, there is more churches than people, and they are very friendly. So yeah. we started to just rock up to the church in the afternoon and knock on the door and ask if we could put our mattresses in on the floor. And there was never a problem. So we oh, met so good. many nice people. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And all the pastors that we talked to, they were so interested in, our story and very helpful and they also supplied us with heaps of food and yeah. you know that often they had showers and bathrooms it was really really a nice way to start touring i would say so we also did stay in tents sometimes but not super um, very much i think we stayed in um what was it like 37 churches along our way Oh wow, nice. <laughs> so, but, yeah so it was pretty pretty um, fun experience i would say
1: yeah, I think staying Definitely. in a church and staying in a church and getting food from people and stuff is like the original crowdsourcing or crowdfunding <laughs> before the internet came yeah. along.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. Now, but it seems like they they did host a lot of uh bike people doing Trans American Trail stomp churches, because mm-hmm. they had books so you can write in the books and it was a few people that had been going through with bikes. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we were not the first ones, but yeah, it was a pretty pretty smart way, I think yeah. <laughs> to to start touring, at least, and also to save a little bit of money,
1: to not pay for accommodation. Have you done any more touring with this friend, Frida, you said is her name,
2: yeah? Uh, No, not after that, because then I um, came up with the idea to do Australia. And first I thought I was going to cross Australia, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was a little bit short. So then, my second idea was to bike around Australia, so which was sixteen thousand <laughs> one hundred kilometers. And Frida, she's a bit, she she likes to do hundred k a day, but mm-hmm. then she get a bit bored. And I realized with Australia, you you can't just do hundred k a day. You have to smash out one hundred fifty two hundred k a day because it's a very very long distance and yeah. very remote. So for your own safety and to be able to survive, you mm-hmm. just need to had really, really long days and many hours on the bikes. So um, I realized that Frida would not be into I did ask her, but I knew she was gonna say oh, no. Okay. She literally was laughing and said no.
1: She's like no, <laughs> so you I knew that.
2: <laughs> yeah, literally. And I mean she she's hilarious. She's probably one of the funniest people in the world. So we had a really, really good time and in in America, we didn't have any arguments and, oh, you know, you're spending 24 seven with a person in yeah. a tent, you're hungry, you're dirty, you, you know, you have good moods, yeah. bad
1: moods, everything. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. But still, so, I mean, to spend that long time with someone and not even have an argument and literally just be laughing, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's <laughs> so good. I, I think she was a very, very good company and uh, yeah you know also to lay in the tent in the evenings and listen to podcasts and just have a good talk that's really the benefit with uh, touring with someone mm-hmm. I think and also to to have someone to talk with along the road is also fun so it's it's so different to do it on your own uh, versus having a friend with you and it's both like benefits and um uh consequence with, with having it that way I think now, when I've been touring on my own um, mm-hmm. around Australia, it, it's good in that way that you can, you only need to adapt after yourself. I can I can take the day as it comes, and you know if I have a good day and I want to go far, I can yeah. just go for it. While when you are with someone, you need to adapt and and see if the other one is in pain or you know if someone is sick or something. You you always need to balance it. Yeah. yeah. While. When you go on your own, you you can just do whatever you feel for, and you don't need to to yeah to adapt to someone else. I think so. Yeah, it's both negative and positive mm-hmm. things. But I do I did miss her company many times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely.
1: What kind of bike are you riding?
2: I actually having a gravel bike, so it's not a proper touring bike. Mm-hmm. And um, um, when I started doing these long trips, I. I always had a feeling like I think the touring bikes are pretty heavy. I know they're very, very strong, mm-hmm. but in the end of the day, it's the same kind of gearing and brakes you're using, even if it's um, a touring bike or a gravel bike mm-hmm. or another bike. Um, and since I'm not doing uh, long trips, like, you know, for a year, two or three years, then I reckon like I, I don't think I really need to have the strongest. Um, frame i think i i can do it with a, a pretty like normal frame yeah. as well so i i choose to go a little bit lighter on the on the weight of the bike and uh, i have the it's not the like racing wheels or anything i have a pretty like um good size on the wheels and, and everything but i just have panniers in the back so i don't have any panniers in the front because okay. i like to go pretty light and I don't really know like I have everything I need on my trips everything from rain yeah. clothes to to you know to puffy jackets to sleeping bags to my kitchen and food and everything and I really don't need more space Two panniers and to put the tent in the back is enough for me yeah so sometimes I really do wonder what everyone is bringing when they're having so much things with them it's it's pretty interesting
1: so how much <laughs> do your you see, how much do your bags weigh or like uh your, just your,
2: uh, your I reckon probably. The whole setup without water is probably around 20 kilos. Okay. And then mm-hmm. the bike is healed to all in all. But then in Australia, I need to have so much water with me. So then I often had maybe 15 kilos of of uh, water as well. Wow. So that made it pretty heavy at some, some stages because yeah. it, yeah, it was so remote. But uh, I mean, normally around 20 to 30 kilos, I reckon I have. With me, and that's that's
1: it. Yeah, and I think it's, I think when people have four panniers, you tend to overpack. I think the idea to having four panniers would be to still carry twenty to thirty kilos, but spread the weight front to back, and just helps with climbing yeah. and stuff. But I mean, if also then you just tend to carry more and more stuff.
2: um Yeah, and I reckon it's more maybe like I think those people have a way more food than I have with me because I plan everything. I look at the map, and I kind of realize, right. Now I'm going to have a thousand kilometers uh, to next proper food shops and then I need to buy this and that. So I always just plan it by the shops along the okay. way, literally. While I think a lot of people, they bring a lot of food, so they have for like two or three weeks. So they don't even need to stop and buy anything. Maybe, yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I can imagine.
1: And is all your gear pretty lightweight stuff? Or are you using like high tech, lightweight, this and that to, to keep yeah, your yeah. weight down?
2: yeah everything is light everything from like from the tent till mattress to sleeping bag and also rain clothes uh, it's as good as it gets pretty much and as light as it can be because i i rather spend a little bit more um money on some quality that i can Mm. have for very long and that lasts me long and that is lighter than to to bring something that will just break because i work in sports shops myself for 15 years so i know it's it is a bit different so you if, if you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually not. But it is a it, it is a bit different, you know, to to invest in something that's gonna last you long. And often, the more expensive it is, the more lighter it is normally. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I do have a lot of lightweight stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I try to have some pretty light stuff, but I always tend to carry. Extra little things, but I did a bike yeah. tour in Indonesia <laughs> I don't know, seven years ago and I had just two panniers on the back. And yeah, it okay, was fine. But then
2: I guess you cannot, uh, you can also just use a pair of speedos in Indonesia because it's so hot. <laughs> so you can just like bike around in speedos. That's you don't true, really yeah. need much
1: to clothes on.
0: <laughs> you might get arrested. <laughs> and work on a
2: good tan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe.
1: <laughs> now I'm in Cambodia for another week, but I've been, yeah, I've been here seven months. It's, it's the hottest I've seen. It's, it's hotter than Malaysia, hard, hotter than Indonesia. It's just brutal here. but is
2: it really humid as well then or?
1: yeah cambodia is very humid and because it's not near the ocean like malaysia and indonesia you don't have as much breeze you don't feel it and yeah it's just well, hot. what
2: kind of temperatures do you have like in, uh, during the days is it like 35 40 yeah or? 35
1: to 40 now it's getting a little bit yeah. cooler because it's rainier season but um yeah still 35 yeah
2: yeah oh yeah that is yeah it is warm. that's what i had at, um now in australia i had between 35 and 43 and it oh. was it was hot like especially uh, above 40 then you feel a huge difference and also the amount of water you need to drink because mm-hmm. it just it just drains you out i reckon like it it's a huge difference from that and and being in europe biking that's for yeah. sure
1: <laughs> yeah. are you using a brook saddle or do you use something else to uh
2: uh i don't have the brooks i'm really curious about them i everyone i meet they have them so i'm i i do not know i i would like to try one to see how they are but i actually have it's i don't know what they call them it's just like a seat with like a hole in the middle kind of yeah and it's been super super comfy and, and really good and I I don't use any um, a padded bike shorts either, so no? I just wow. literally have nah. <laughs> I started with it, but I realized for me it, it's not working because, um, as we all know that do touring, we can get blisters and stuff, mm-hmm. and I always got that when I have the shorts, and they didn't want to heal. So then halfway, because uh-huh. yeah, maybe it um, doesn't breathe I,
1: as much, right? So you're you're keeping yeah the exactly because it
2: gets so yeah it gets so warm and humid, and so then halfway around Australia. I just thought, hmm, I'm going to just try without the, the padded shorts. So then every second day, I just was riding with a pair of, like, you know, tights, like a running running tights yeah. on. And uh, everything started to heal up, and I felt so much better. So then after two weeks, I just dropped the, the padded shorts. So now I just do baby powder and a pair of normal uh, running yeah. pants. And I think your bum gets used to it, you know. It's just the first... 10 days touring no matter how much you've been biking before i think it's always going to be a struggle with or without shorts so or whatever because for your skin to sit on a seat mm-hmm. for you know seven to ten hours a day it's yeah it's it's just going to be uncomfortable no matter what <laughs>
1: yeah. when i was in malaysia yeah. i would do like these epic we would do these pretty big rides sometimes upwards of 150 200k group yeah. rides and you know they're fast you're going high 30s for the whole ride so it's it's wow. pushing. And That's, of course, yeah. you always get a bit of chafing. And one day I was asking him, Oh, do you guys have chamois, the chamois cream? And he's like, No, Chris. Yeah. So and so is a pro racer. And he says, All he's ever used is Vaseline because he's like, Chamois cream is almost basically the same.
0: So I tried yeah, it. hot, yeah. And
1: it worked really well. Vaseline worked really well. And when I was in um, Chiang Mai doing the, the mountains ride, I was at a stop yeah, and I, I reached into my bag, pulled out some Vaseline. I <laughs> reached down my pants, and the guy that I was cycling with was like, What the fuck are you doing?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was like, Oh, Vaseline? Yeah, but I, mean, it...
2: <laughs> yeah, but I, I tried with the creams, you know, the shaman cream and Vaseline when we were in America, and especially Frida. She had so bad problems mm-hmm. with blisters and with her. Uh, ass we call it like uh, she got a lunch a rumpa we call it in swedish it literally means a lunch ass okay. so we had to always like try to do as many cases as we could before the lunch because after she was so sore <laughs> and in pain so then that's it was awesome. so heavy for her yeah like so she was it was so hard for her to get back to the to the street that's and a great we term also,
1: <laughs> lunch <ass>. yeah
2: and <laughs> yeah yeah but it's true she was always like I we need to keep on going. I get my lunch, Rumpa. I was like, okay, yeah, let's go, let's go. And then we even had a pastor. He prayed for her ass, and that's a that's a pretty funny story. We came to this church one evening, yeah. and it was raining like crazy. And this pastor and his wife that had a house uh, just on the opposite side of the road. Okay. So they invited us in for dinner. A lovely, lovely couple. And then um, they asked us if we were in pain or, you know, if we were all good. And Frida's like, yeah, I've been I've been having huge struggles with my ass the whole way. And it's just so bad. And then after we had the dinner, we were going to go to bed. He he said, eh, do you guys mind if if I pray for you? He said, no, no, you, you can do that. So we were standing in a ring and holding each other's hands.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then he, he he started like, yeah, please bless these girls and give them a safe trip and also make Frida's ass good again and make it heal and <laughs> it was really funny we like literally we you know like if i would have looked on her i would cracked up because it was really really funny to, to to have a did it work yeah it, 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 no unfortunately his praise <laughs> didn't work for her ass so yeah but he did a, a good 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 try i guess but it was just funny i think it's the first pastor the praise for someone's ass but <laughs> yeah it didn't work
1: unfortunately that's amazing yeah <laughs> Oh, right, I, I, I lost my train of thought. That was too good. No. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs>
2: <That's not> good. <laughs> when
1: did you cycle New Zealand? Was that just before Australia? or?
2: No, so this was the case. I started with Australia 1st of September and I, I kind of miscalculated everything. It was just way too hard. So I started in Broome mm-hmm. and um, I went the whole way around up to Cannes, which was 12,100 k's in 82 days. Okay. And when I got back up to Cannes, I still had four thousand Ks back to Broome mm-hmm. and it was already plus forty seven, plus forty nine degrees up wow. in the Northern Territories. Yeah. And uh, I, I realized like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it and already six people died a week before of dehydration and they were in a car and on motorbikes. So, I realized to do that on a push bike, it's just way too dangerous. And the rain season was already starting, which means you can get trapped between rivers for weeks because there's so much water coming and then you don't get anywhere, and especially not on a bicycle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, I'm very stubborn. And that was really like, uh, what do you say? Like, it was really hard for me to take the decision to actually stop in Cannes. Right. And then I flew over to New Zealand instead, and then I biked around um, uh, North and South Island. So oh, okay. I started in yeah December, and it took me 33 days, so I was done in the, in the start of January uh, around New Zealand. That's a good time and to do it, too,
1: because it's their summer, right? So it's perfect.
2: Yeah, it was beautiful, and I had really good temperatures. It was really good weather, and I didn't have too much rain. So, yeah, that was, it was really, really beautiful. And it, mm. it was also nice to have a change from New Zealand. Um, sorry, Australia, from, yeah. the, from the nature. Because Australia, it's, you know, parts of Australia, you have, like, really beautiful and, and nice sections. But then you also have a lot of it. Probably 70% is just the same.
0: Right. It's
2: just bushes and desert and one straight road, literally, that you follow day after day after day. So the nice thing with New Zealand is that it's very um, uh, different landscapes and you have everything from glaciers to beaches to mountains mm-hmm. to forests. So it's, it's it was really nice to just have the variation and, you know, every day you just enjoy small things that uh, you didn't see for a while. So that was really beautiful. I really enjoyed it.
1: Was there anything you like, what part of uh, New Zealand did you absolutely fall in love with? Was there any one part?
2: uh i mean the whole new zealand is very beautiful mm. uh but also because i'm a surfer i really like the um new plymouth up the right. the the west coast of the north island It was very very beautiful the whole way up there and then also uh, on the east coast of north island gisborne and um yeah the west coast of south island that's probably my favorite it's okay. so uh, untouched really really beautiful mm-hmm. it's a lot of sound flies though oh, so are that, <laughs> that, that is yeah it's it's unbelievable In many sound flies. so that's that's pretty nasty that's minus
1: i saw your picture where you had like a bug net on and there are just like flies everywhere was that australia or new zealand
2: that was in australia okay. that was actually now my last um my last 10 days when i was uh, closing the circle because i did go mm-hmm. back to australia to yeah. do to finish my four thousand k's case and it was literally 10 days where it was a section and it was so, so many flies. Like I never experienced anything like that and uh, my grandparents, that have a farm. So I used to spend my summers on mm-hmm. the farm. So they do have a lot of flies, but it was like a, a totally different um, level <laughs> of flies. And, and uh, the, the funny thing with the flies was that if you maybe kept um, a speed on 22 k's per hour, the mm-hmm. flight kind of disappeared, okay. but if you got a hill, or going a bit slower they would just back on you you know so it uh, kind of pushed you to always keep a good speed you know so yeah. you knew, like okay I have to bike pretty fast because otherwise they're gonna just have flies all over me uh, and also uh, if I if I was gonna put my tent up which I always did maybe around four or five in the afternoon then um, it was too many flights so you couldn't get into the tent until maybe six thirty in the Because then the sun goes down and the flies disappear. So then I just had to sit and wait outside my tent for like two hours just to wait for the sun to go down. (laughs) Because if if you try to sneak in, you would have like 30 flies in there and they would just be all over you. And they'd
1: be there the whole night. Yeah. So
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they just everywhere. And uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty gross to be honest with you because they always tried to sneak in under the fly net while you're biking and then, or if you're eating and they always want to get into your eyes. So it was a lot of them.
1: <laughs> was the, I, I'm guessing eating was a huge challenge with the flies around. You just kind of like, I don't know how you did it. What did, what was the trick?
2: Now you, you. The trick is to first remember that you do have the fly net on you, because sometimes <laughs> I did forget about that, <laughs> and then you just try to literally put the, the spoon inside your mouth, but the the net is in your way, and you realize, okay, <laughs> I have to take it under the net, and um, yeah, you just have to try to like squeeze it or move, like that. You have to walk and try to get some wind on you, and then then you could eat without getting. Keep so extra flies into your food
1: <laughs> so runny, prob- running in circles a- with your food pot
2: yeah pretty much that i probably did eat a few flies i would say
1: <laughs> did you notice a lot of difference between the people of australia new zealand and america i'm assuming america is the biggest difference but australia new zealand
2: yeah, it's actually a, a really, really big difference. And uh, the, Astri- uh, the Americans, they were so open minded, so friendly, so lovely. Like, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't uh, even imagine that people could be so uh, friendly and nice. And I don't know, like, everyone um, came and talked to you. If you stopped in a gas station, yeah. everyone was interested where you came from, what you were doing, and everyone was very very lovely i had a really really good experience and i did think that uh, australia was going to be the same because all the australians i met while traveling over the years they've been really outgoing and easygoing but it was actually it's been i don't know it's been a bit different like it's been a lot of arrogant people along the way Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't even uh, care at all like if you stopped on a gas station they didn't ask you anything even if you were places like, for example, Nullarbor, where there is like 300 ks between gas stations and anything, uh, people were not really friendly. You couldn't fill up your water bottles, and it was a bit, it was a bit strange, I would say. But I mean, I did also meet a few really, really, really lovely people yeah. around Australia that were amazing. But in general, uh, they were like very distant. And also, yeah. if you walk up at a uh, rest stop, I always walked around and. Said hi if so it was maybe three caravans there for the night, like I just wanted to introduce myself and you know say hi, right. and a lot of people were very reserved from the start, but then they kind of loosen up, and you know they got pretty friendly after a while, but it, it was not that easy to get in contact with people okay. and New Zealand, I had just a really really a uh, good experience and i I actually met some really lovely people that uh, became friends for life and And they kind of sorted me out with a lot of places to stay along the way and they opened their home to me. And yeah, so they were, yeah, New Zealand people are very friendly and easygoing, I think.
1: Yeah, I think Canadians are, I mean, aside from the politics, I think Canadians are very much like Americans. Like we just talk to everybody. My wife, sometimes she'd be like, why do you just listen to people and start talking to them in elevators? It's like, I don't know, I just do, you know, it's just... (laughs) you're like yeah, man, I like that I hate when you stand there so quietly and you're just like da 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 da, da come on elevator like
2: <laughs> yeah Nah. I mean I I'm I'm super social myself so I I like people they it's better if they talk too much than too less so oh, that's good and point. especially when you do things like this you know like everyone has kind of a story mm-hmm. and it's just interesting to talk with people and I think the most interesting and the most inspiring person I met along my whole trips was a 96 year old a uh, guy his name is Pete. Yeah. And we had a three hour uh conversation. And I mean he did talk slow but he was so clear in his mind and he's been on this panel for almost hundred years. That's amazing. And the stories he told me and things so that it was just like it was worth doing the whole trip just to, to meet him actually. So yeah, I mean you're missing out if you don't talk to people. And then I mean if you have a bad feeling with someone fair enough then you can <laughs> just walk away but the most people always have a good story to tell or
1: yeah and at 96, 96 years old he's been through two world wars yeah and he's been you know and he,
2: a- he got married with his wife after three weeks and they they stayed together for seven more than 70 years
3: <laughs> wow and it
2: was true love the whole time yeah he was he was really like a really cool character where does he meet him very inspiring I met him in uh, Tasmania um, because I stayed with a friend there for one evening. So that was a friend, um, a family friend to my friend. So, yeah, that was really, really, really cool. So he's actually the only person I sent a postcard to when I got back up to Cairns. Then I wrote him a postcard that I made it up to Cairns. And he's the only one that got a postcard on my whole trip (laughs) (laughs) because he was was very special.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Do you eat a special kind of diet? I mean, when you're doing 150k days continuously, you it's, yeah. it's a higher it's a higher burn rate of calories and stuff than somebody who's just doing whatever they feel like each day. Um,
2: yeah. What do you eat? <laughs> it's actually pretty funny because uh, I'm vegetarian since 20 years back. Okay. So yeah, and now when I'm biking, I'm I'm not really getting that hungry. It's kind of weird. So normally I do between 70 and 100k's before breakfast normally okay. in the morning and um, then I make some oatmeal first every morning and then for lunch if I'm somewhere where I can buy like a proper lunch uh, mm-hmm. I buy maybe like a falafel or a pasta salad or something okay. and if I'm not then I normally make uh, burritos so I just have to chia yep. bread with me and then some it's like a Mexican bean mix that is in in cans so I put that on yep. and I sprinkle some corn chips on top. So that's literally my diet for the whole time. So I have that for lunch then. And then always for dinner, I eat the same. And if I if I have water, which I had in New Zealand a lot, then I do cook pasta and like tomato sauce or okay. something like that. But since uh, I was in Australia now, and it's been really, really hard to actually find water at all. So then I couldn't use my stove anymore. And then I was on the burrito diet for almost 100 days, <laughs> just eating beans and uh, tortilla bread. So at the moment, I'm a little bit fed up with it. It's it's still all, all right, but yeah, that's literally what I've been eating the whole time. And, and I try to get some nuts sometimes to have like a little snack or yeah. some cookies. But I think I eat way too less than I probably should, but I don't really feel any hunger when I'm on the road and sometimes in the evening I feel like I don't even want to have dinner I just want to have like a banana or something
1: you are probably eating enough for your body like enough for you like might other people might feel like it's not enough food but if it works for you I guess that's
2: yeah because I mean it's I mean I I always have the power and I I never get tired in my legs I get tired in my shoulders when I bike a little bit from sitting but I don't know. I, I have like no limit when it comes to the biking part. I can just like keep on going. So yeah, I, I guess it's enough fuel. Otherwise, my body wouldn't, you know, cooperate with me.
1: Yeah. I reckon. So you do some other sports though. You you ski, snowboard, uh, working as an instructor, I guess, and surf. And
2: yeah, I've been I've been playing soccer for ten years when I was a kid, and then handball, which is big here in Sweden. Yeah, it's
1: huge in Sweden. And
2: I started yeah, and I started snowboarding um really early. So snowboarding been my passion since I was probably twelve years old, okay. and I've, yeah, I've been dedicating my literally my whole life just snowboarding and spending time in Austria, hiking and riding some of the best powder in the world for fifteen years, yeah. and then also surfing. And I've always been doing a lot of training in gyms and doing spinning as well. So yeah, I, I don't know. I just like to activate my body and and use it as much as I can so yeah working out is a big part of my life and always been
1: nice and um, what do you do for a living
2: uh, so in the winters I have a little bit of a different setup than the most people in my age I guess okay so I work from November to April I always been in Austria and I work mm-hmm. in a snowboard shop there okay and I work three and a half day a week and then I can go snowboarding the rest And it's good because you can can save up good money there during the winter. And Mm -hmm. then I always go to Indonesia and surf for two months. And then I go to Norway and work um, in the airport. And I've been working nighttime there for for the last eight years. So I worked for three months. And then I've been literally like a vampire. So I'm sleeping during the days and I'm working during the night. So you you don't really use any money. So you can also save up some good money and then... I go for some new adventures again between September and November.
1: That's why your your tours are in that time frame usually, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And, I need um, to squeeze it in.
1: The job in Norway, like you can just go back to it whenever you're done your next tour or how how accommodating are they?
2: Yeah, it's really good because they need extra people. I work in a duty-free shop, so mm-hmm. everything is depending on the flight. And as maybe everyone knows, Swedish and and Norwegian people, we are very into the sun because we do have a lot of rain during the winters and Mm -hmm. uh, literally the whole year around. So during the summer months, June, July, August, everyone want to go you know, to the sun down to Spain or Portugal or wherever. So then it's a lot of extra flights during the summers. So it gets really, really busy at the duty free shop. So they literally need people for those three months. But then when the autumn comes, there is no more flights anymore and then they need to get rid of people. (laughs) So for me, this is perfect. You know, I can just come in and work for those three months and then I can say bye. See you next year. And I'm welcome back. Uh, Yeah, the year after.
1: Which city are you working in? Oslo or?
2: No, I work up in Trondheim.
1: Trondheim. Okay, I've been there.
2: Yeah okay i yeah, went, so I, went
1: to I went to hell for, i went to hell
2: yeah <laughs> yeah but that's where i'm working i work in hell and that's yeah. pretty funny <laughs> it's so yeah, funny no, it, it's a, yeah it is um yeah so I, I literally came for work today i was there working yesterday the, the the same day i came back uh from australia now I, i flew straight into trondheim and i started working so i flew into my own work literally oh, wow. and then Yeah, I started working and today I took the train back to Sweden. So now it's the first time I'm back home since August, so I've not been here. So I got to pack up all my bike stuff and, you know, do some good Mm -hmm. uh, washing and (laughs) see so everything is in good shape and pack it down and let it rest for for the summer until next tour.
1: Yeah, when I flew into Trondheim, I I had like a five-hour, six-hour layover and... I put my, where did I, I had, I think I had a very small carry-on, it was like a backpack, and I just went hiking, and I went up into town, and I hiked up into the hill to the sign of hell, and I signed the book, and
2: yeah. (laughs) That's so so funny, I've never been up there, I've just been, nah, I've just been like under, I took a photo of it, and like walking under there, but no, I didn't have time actually to get there yet, because I've just been working so much always when I've been there. Right. But were, were you bike touring when you were there?
1: No, I was, um, where, why did I fly through there? I don't remember. I think it was, um, it was a cheap flight. I think I was going to Lithuania or something for a holiday and it was like fly from Copenhagen to Trondheim and then Trondheim to Aha. to Vilnius or something or, oh, okay. or yeah. Hungary. I don't remember where I was going, but yeah. Okay. Because I lived in Sweden for a year, right? So I mentioned that before, I think when I was, we were chatting in the south of Sweden. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, but did you
2: have but did you ever go to to north or you didn't come up
1: no someplace? i've never been north of stockholm i guess which is not that far north uh, um, mm-hmm.
2: then you missed the beautiful part of our country
1: i know if yeah, i stayed a second year yeah. i would have because i had friends working in like umea and um some other yeah. places and and i really wanted to yeah i'll probably come at some point so
2: are you into skiing and snowboarding yeah
1: i like skiing and snowboarding
2: Okay, yeah, because up north is pretty nice places where you can go ski and snowboard and really, really nice people yeah. up there. <laughs> yeah, strongly recommend it for the future.
1: Uh, I've been living in Southeast Asia for a while, so I've been kind of out of the skiing and snowboarding thing. But hopefully now that I'm moving back to Canada this year, it'll be uh, a chance to go skiing again. So we'll Yeah, see.
2: you will have it in you. You will never forget how to do no, it. No, <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> like riding bike. If you want snow. Yeah,
1: for sure. So I wanted to ask you about Australia again. Your average day was around 140-something kilometers per day, right?
2: I mean, I do 150 to 200 every day. 150 to
3: 200?
2: Yeah. But then I had maybe, say, five, six days when it was like 120. And it was also because at the East Coast, especially, I have a lot of friends living there. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because of surfing,
2: right? yeah and also from the snowboard seasons Mm. um so then i had to kind of adapt my daily stretch you know to 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 reach to my friends places kind of so i probably could have pushed it more but i mean i also did want to see other friends and and have time to hang out like i I only spent one evening with all of them but it was still nice to you know be able to stay with them and have like a proper house and, mm-hmm. and food and, and showers sometimes so but normally i do 150 to 200 every day
1: how how often do you take rest days
2: i only had two rest days around australia really like, i don't really need yeah i really don't need them like i only have them because i i went to month and i visited some friends okay and they forced me to stay one extra day because we were gonna go surfing and look at whale sharks so uh, they were like, Marielle, you only have once in life, you have to stay one extra day. So then I did that. And then also up, uh, in Darwin, then I have uh, a friend that he really wanted to show me the saltwater crocodiles and oh, okay. take me out with his boat. So, I mean, then you can't say no to that. And that was amazing. And that was my two rest days <laughs> around Australia. So otherwise, I don't know. I, I just don't need them. Like and i just like to keep on going kind of when i'm on my mission yeah so i never feel like body wise i don't i don't get tired so it's all good but uh, yeah i guess i like to push myself and push my limits a little bit Mm -hmm. and i guess maybe doing 150 to 200k a day is maybe not too normal but if, if i do 120k a day that's i feel lazy i feel like i I didn't really do much, <laughs> so I knew. <laughs> it's interesting I, I to hear how
1: to... how different people are, right? Because you have your some like bike. I would say like bike tourists and a bike. Maybe I would categorize categorize you more as like a bike athlete or like an a, a distance cyclist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yeah. how you categorize it because there's different nice. ways you can look at it. I guess, but it's it's awesome.
2: I did meet a lot of guys touring, and uh, now in Australia. They didn't go around, they did more like just like a stretch of it. Mm-hmm. But they were like, you know, big guys like and they, you know, good, good bikers. <laughs> but they they had like big days for them was maybe 120 K day. So they couldn't believe like they couldn't believe the distance I did. They they, they thought I was insane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, th- I think it's maybe not super common to push yourself to this
1: limits. What speed do you usually ride?
2: It depends on the the winds a little bit, but Mm -hmm. you know, like between, say between 20 and 27 Ks per hour, kind of somewhere there. And then, I mean, you do have those days when you have headwinds and you maybe do 11 Ks per hour, (laughs) which is pretty, pretty awful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but normally around between 20 and and 27, somewhere there,
1: Okay. I would say. So you're looking at like eight hours a day on the bike, eight to 10 hours type thing.
2: Yeah, something like that. that that's pretty common.
1: When you circumnavigate Australia, is it quite flat or is there, are there some hilly sections?
2: <laughs> and now people think it's flat, but oh, it's so also wrong. On. Yeah, no, no. But like a lot of people also, the the people driving around Australia, they always like, oh, you're so lucky driving? drive biking around Australia because it's so flat. I'm like, dude, it's like <laughs> it's definitely not flat because it's kind of like always gradating like a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, uphill So you in the car. You probably wouldn't even notice yeah. it. But on the bike, you can definitely feel it. But then um, uh, I have to be honest and say of New Zealand, Tasmania and Australia, the worst hills I had that was in Australia oh, really? and that was really, really. Yeah, that was really, really unexpected. It was for like three days just before Sydney, like a few days before Sydney. And it was so, so steep hills. And they just kept on going. Like they never, never ended. So I think maybe it was also because I was not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. That it, it it felt really heavy. But they, because I think like if you, if you have a climb in, stay in New Zealand, like it's still, even if it goes for long, the the what you say the the percent of the steepness Mm -hmm. is not like too by so you you just keep on going you know you're taking your time and and you prepare for it you know it's it's gonna be there but those in australia they were just brutal like yeah that was a big battle i would say
1: it depends, Definitely. yeah. Sometimes when they're long and they just... Even if they're shallow, they're not that steep, but they're just long and never-ending. It can be really brutal just because you, you feel like... You can never coast. You can, you're can you always pedaling. You can't rest. Yeah. Where if it goes exactly. up and down a bit, you're like, oh, okay, at least a little bit of respite.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, it was only... I, I only had to walk one hill, and that was up in Coromandel in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, because it was just i could probably push to do it but it just didn't feel good uh, for my body like it felt like i was gonna break something in my thighs if i kept on (laughs) pushing then i had to walk maybe i don't know for like five minutes up that was the only place i walked it was okay that i climbed it was just that little section that it was just so so steep that it it felt like someone was pulling you backwards because of the (laughs) the weight of the panniers in the back yeah so i was like nah i'm just gonna take this as a little walk
1: when I cycled in Chiang Mai or in the northern Thailand, I saw, yeah. you know, like Adam. I met Adam in in Pai. Okay, yeah. That's where we met. And um, Adam and Lucia had been cycling with, you know, 25, 30, whatever kilos they have, full, fully loaded touring bikes. Yeah. And I had about five kilos. I had two front panniers, lightly packed, just balanced. Mm-hmm. And even I was going up those hills and I, you know, I was doing big days really mountainous region so I was averaging over 100 about 100 kilometers plus a day and yeah. you know you're looking at 3,000 meters climbing wow. kind of thing from Pai to Meihong San was the the hardest day I had is but 105 kilometers over 3,000 meters and the one hill was so hard I had to stop and I was just like fuck will this never <laughs> end and I saw people coming yeah. down the down the road on scooters and they're like good luck man I was like fuck
2: <laughs> oh no <laughs> it was brutal
1: it was so hard it was like but even then I arrived at May Hongsan and I'm like oh definitely taking a rest day and the next morning I woke up and was like I'm just gonna do a little sightseeing and then I'll just do a 100k day to the next town so
2: but did you make it did you make it up the hill yeah yeah I just I just had
1: a rest drank some water ate some peanuts or something and then pushed on yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah it's just like a It's just like a mental battle sometimes. It's just, you know, you have to be stronger than your mind and that's it.
1: Yeah. How about Sweden? (laughs) Have you done much bike touring in Sweden?
2: Nothing. Because I literally didn't spend much time in Sweden the last 15 years.
1: Uh So I think
2: I'm going to just save it for the future. Like Sweden, Norway, and, you know, Mm -hmm. Scandinavia.
1: Maybe you'll have to plan that tip of Norway to the bottom of Spain bike trip as one of your next uh, after Canada or something.
2: Yeah, that could be something, definitely.
1: If I had stayed in Heslaholm another year, my plan was I was going to go to the north, have all my, you know, the wintery kit you need, uh, the stuff to stay warm. And I was going to cycle down and dump everything in Heslaholm on my way by, and then I'd be good to go with summer clothes and stuff all the way down to Spain. But then I left, so unfortunately.
2: Uh, But you can always come back
1: (laughs) and redo it. Can you um, actually, even though you haven't... done much bike touring in Sweden I thought it'd be really good if you could share with people about something called Allemansrät I think that's how I say it in Sweden because yeah, I Allemansre-
3: think
2: it's
1: just amazing yeah Allemansrätten
2: yes yeah it's it's really really amazing and I actually met two bike touring people today when I was in Norway at the train station and we talked about Allemansrätten but we are so spoiled here in Sweden. So means that you can literally put your tent up wherever you like to. Like yeah. even if it's in someone's garden, <laughs> you are actually allowed to put it, it up there. But I mean, you don't like the most people would knock on the door and say, hey, can I put my tent up right. on your property? But like if you find a nice little lake or, you know, some nice spot in the forest or in the mountains, you are allowed to put your tent up wherever you like to for three days. And then mm-hmm. uh, you just need to um, leave it as it was when you came there, you know. So you don't leave any rubbish, and right. you know, just uh, treat the nature good and stuff. And yeah, that's how it is in Sweden. So you, you have a, a really good um, freedom. Like you, you can, you never need to worry about, uh, yeah, putting a tent up anywhere. And that also makes it really hard when you, when you travel overseas because you have that so deep in you you think that you can just do it everywhere and then you realize that that's not the case at all (laughs) so yeah (laughs) it's been a little bit tough with that in especially in new zealand because there is really really restricted and you're not allowed to put your tent yeah like i i've literally been sneaking my way around with my tent around new zealand because you were not allowed to have it anywhere and it's fence everywhere it's Hmm. just a country with fence I think Donald Trump should uh, move there. He likes it <laughs> with a fence.
1: <laughs> I had um, I had a friend from Definitely. Sweden, and uh, she said that it was one of those struggles, too, was, uh, with the Allmandsrätten, um, that it was great when Swedes, because they had a cabin at a farmhouse, and they had like a little lake cabin that was open for guests, and people could just go in and stay. And yeah. She said the one downside, though, was some Europeans, not Swedes, Swedes always cleaned up or, or restocked. If they, they ate something, they would leave something. Or if they, they didn't have something yeah. to leave, they'd leave a bit of money. But she's like sometimes some people from other European countries would come and they just abuse and just eat everything. And then you come in and everything's gone and it's a mess. And you're like, oh. Mm. If people, if you go to Sweden and you bike tour, please, please, please clean up after yourselves. And if you do eat somebody's food yeah. <laughs> and they have an open cabin, replenish. Right? keep yeah. it good for the next person.
2: Yeah, because unfortunately, when when a few people misbehave like that, that's when they start to close all those, you know, cabins and and places. Because yeah. it's it's enough that a few people uh, abuse it, and that's it, you know. So, yeah, if everyone just treated it with respect and appreciate that there is places like this, it can stay like that. Mm-hmm. But if they're not, then yeah, unfortunately, they will take the places away, which I fully understand.
1: Yeah um Let's talk about yeah. your next trip. I mean, you're going to Canada in August, late August, early September.
2: Yeah, I'm flying there the fourth of September. Uh, okay. I fly actually into Seattle, and um, I was really curious. Like, I really wanted to go Alaska and then over Canada, but I think right. I'm a little bit too late. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be too too big risk that it's going to be winter and cold. So now my plan is to. Um, fly into Seattle and then it's 300 k's up to to Vancouver and I'm gonna bite my way up there and then I want to work my way up towards Jasper National Park, Banff and then start crossing over towards the east and Quebec and that side and not really sure where I'm gonna end but yeah Quebec and maybe a bit further we will see.
1: You do realize that winter starts in August in Canada right?
2: Yeah, I know it's <laughs> gonna be <laughs> so it, it, it's good. I'm a Viking. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I
2: reckon. Yeah, no, I have to be prepared for for cold days and, and um, uh, pack my uh, sleeping bag, my, my winter one. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, you know, as long as you, you are warm, when you're sleeping, that's the main thing and to keep your feet and hands warm while you're biking. Because I, I um, discovered that was pretty hard when it was snow. And biking because your hands and feet get cold i guess it's yeah. because of the blood circulation maybe that is that was the struggle
1: yeah shoe covers so, yeah those Sorry? little bike shoe covers just uh the foot covers that are insulated to keep your toes warm i think yeah worth yeah their definitely. Weight in gold yeah i think in canada though you would be all right because you're you said you only have i think you have like until november october when do you have to be in austria
2: uh, but I, yeah, so I'm not going back to Austria this year because oh, okay. uh, I' gonna go surfing instead. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> I enough. feel I don't know. I, I really, yeah, I really want to spend more time surfing. So it's not really a pressure. But uh, I think it's seven thousand k's. I' gonna do kind of okay. seven thousand. So I reckon it's gonna take between like forty six and fifty days. But maybe I push it to like sixty days. I don't know. I will oh, see. I cool. take it as it comes a little bit. But uh I'm 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 more worried about the bear situation so maybe you can give me some information about that.
1: <laughs> uh, I haven't been out west but um yeah I guess generally they say I mean what I have read is you should always carry a bear spray. Um Yeah. There's some people say oh you don't really need it just make noise and stuff but if it does come down to it and you have a bear spray or you don't have one you yeah. ra- you're probably rather you had one right? So
0: um, yes, I've heard definitely. bear
1: bells work well, but then the same thing with your food. You know, you have to have a way of stra like stringing up your food. You should do it about, yeah. I think, this at a couple hundred meters away from where you camp, so you don't keep the food anywhere near your camp. You cook and everything over a, a different place. Yeah, and, um, and then you should be okay, hopefully.
2: <laughs> yeah, I hope. So. I mean, I want to. I want to see a bear, but like on a safe distance.
1: Yeah, that when would be I, a dream. When I drove through British Columbia, like I drove across Canada in 2010. We were driving down the road and we saw, you know, a whole pile of black bears and brown bears just foraging on the side wow. of the road, about 300 meters away, 200 meters away, not far.
2: Yeah. So okay. you have a good chance.
1: You have a good chance of seeing bears, moose, deer, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, now the bear will be an amazing thing to see though.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. That's good. They're, I don't yeah. know. For me, it's just normal, right? It's like <laughs> reindeer in Sweden. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, they, we have them everywhere. We do have bears here too, but I mean, you can't really see them. Like, you are very lucky if you get to see a bear
1: mm-hmm. here. I was going to yeah. say, though, I think you might be all right if, you, um, if you're if you going east and you get past Quebec and then you get into Manitoba. when you're getting down towards the east coast, like as far as Halifax, I think you'll yeah. be all right. You, you won't be, there won't be winter yet, so... No. Yeah. That'd okay. be good. When you come past yeah. Ottawa, though, definitely get in touch. We'll have a family. Yeah, yeah an apartment definitely. And
2: stuff That's by for then, sure. So. Oh, okay, that will be great. Or a house, then I, get I should say. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I mm-hmm.
1: wanted to go to uh, talk about justgiving.com because I was looking at your, your Instagram and you have a fundraiser yeah. page. Can you tell us a, a bit yes. about it?
2: Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I'm an animal lover and um, I do spend a lot of time in, in Indonesia where. Uh, it's a lot of street dogs and beach dogs Mm -hmm. so it's literally just dogs living on the beach and there are muslims over there Mm -hmm. and um, muslims they don't really like dogs they see them as a very dirty animal yeah so they get very bad treated many of them so over the years i've always been you know like buying some medicine and trying to help them out as much as I can and then um, I thought when I do this uh, bike trips, I just want to do a fundraise for the street dogs and the beach dogs. And then I do have a good friend, um, a surfer, and he has friends that opened this dog center in Sri Lanka. Okay. They have 1,400 dogs. It's like SS Animal Sri Lanka oh, is wow. the name of the the place. So it, they are from England, those guys that started it. And they, they have volunteers, like uh, veterinarians, that mm-hmm. dissect the dogs. They operate on them and they treat them for everything. And it's amazing the work they do. And they're building wheelchairs for the dogs because a lot of them are paralyzed or maybe lost their... Been hit by in, cars
1: or something like that.
2: Yeah, in traffic accidents. So uh, when I saw that, I just thought, okay, this is where I want to um, raise some money. So I just started a little fundraise and. Uh, it's just a little bit tricky though it feels like people are very um, into liking posts you know when you Mm -hmm. when you put um, put it out there but to actually donate for people seems to be a little bit hard because my my goal when i did um, the trip around australia was that maybe people could donate one dollar for every thousand k i did which would have been 16 dollar per person then when i was done but yeah, I don't know. I mean, a few people have been uh, donating and that's amazing. And I'm very thankful for that. And it really descends. It's a huge difference yeah. for the dog.
0: But it's so a constant struggle to get the uh, money to get you to- know,
2: like with $10 you can. Like, yeah, so yeah, I don't know, like it's, um, I kind of lost the motivation a little bit that it was so hard to actually get people to mm-hmm. donate. So I will see what I do now for for my trip around, um, over Canada, but I feel good anyway. Like when I look at the photos and I see the dogs, I know that I'm a bit of like, what do you say? Like a part of that, yeah, that he they actually having yeah. it a bit better. Yeah. So that feels a little bit better, but I think it's just, maybe it's hard cause so many people have fundraisers and you know, they want you to donate here and there for everything. So maybe yeah. people are a bit fed up with that or something. I'm not sure, but
1: yeah could be that have I mean, you there's done any lot... fundraising I haven't no um, I've always nah. felt a little bit guilty for that but yeah no I haven't
2: <laughs> nah okay <laughs> so good
1: so if people want to donate where can they where can they go
2: um, I mean at the moment I reckon <laughs> to be honest with you I think it's better to go on to my Instagram page and then click on that little like link, link up yeah. in my yeah because I don't know the address in my head because it's a little bit tricky one <laughs>
3: Yes. but it's yeah
2: so it's it, it it's a little link there and then they can read about um, uh, the whole project and mm-hmm. then they can also click into the ss sri lanka page like to see what they do if they want to have more information Um uh, it's all in in that little link sometimes it's a little bit hard to do the um, transaction with the cards <laughs> that's the only thing that i noticed when i've been donating myself but
1: okay I'll yeah. add. I'll add a link into yeah, the the, is, the bottom of the podcast in the show yeah, notes, I'm, so then people I'm can click that sorry, as well.
2: I do Yeah, I don't really know the 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 address myself. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm not so technical when it comes to things. No problem. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: As a solo female bike tour, what are some of the challenges you've had and? How can you, how have you over, overcome them and what kind of advice could you give other women who are thinking of doing a bike tour?
2: Okay, yeah, uh, first of all, um, unfortunately as a woman, we do have to be more careful on the roads mm-hmm. and we do have more uh, things to, to be scared of and I I have had a few uh, moments when I felt really, really unsafe and actually feared for my life just because I'm a girl. And, uh, and especially in in um, California last year, uh, I don't know if I can tell you the story. Like, if you want a short little story, because it's pretty. It's okay. It's, it's a juicy story. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, uh, when I was in California last year, I, I was on my own at the West Coast, and uh, I'd been biking 170 k's. It was getting dark, yep. and then another guy came from the other direction on a race bike. And then he stopped, uh, he stopped me like, where are you going? And I was like, Yeah, going to a campground on the road. And he's like, Oh, but do you want to come and stay at my place? I'm nine k's back. And I'm on the warm shower. And warm shower is the page where a lot of bike people like hosting other Mm -hmm. bike people. Um, So I used it a lot before. And it's really, really nice people. And you never really need to, you know, be scared or like fear those people. So I thought, oh, that would be great because I didn't have a shower for six days. So I thought that it can actually be pretty nice. So then I just went with this guy uh, back to where he lived, and um, straight away when I was coming back with him, his name was Mike. He was 44. Yeah. I just felt that something was weird with him. You know, he was he was just like strange, and I couldn't really have a, like a good conversation with him. And I felt good. we came to this little little town. Yeah, uh, and then I felt like I should turn around. You know, I, I just had this gut feeling that this is not a, a good person. But then um, I just thought like, oh, this is gonna be awkward and weird and yeah, I'm a bit strange situation if I tell him now that I want to go back. So I kept on going with him, uh, and then we left this little town, and the road went into the forest, and we would keep on going just straight in the forest. No more houses around. I had no uh, phone reception anymore. Then this little gravel roll came and we turned on to that one and I thought okay if something happens now I'm pretty much fucked like it's no one out here no one knows right. where I am and I'm with this stranger and we came into his house and he said he lived there for a year but there was no furniture. there was only like a table and, and three chairs in the kitchen and then there were no no furniture it was just a few boxes in every room weird and then he asked me if he w- if I wanted to have the room to the left or if I wanted to sleep down where he was sleeping. And straight away, I was like, no, I have in this room. And then I thought, okay, I need to play my cards right here. So I made up a story with a boyfriend, you know, and stuff. So yeah. he was going to feel like, okay, this chick, she's having someone. Um, and then we cooked dinner and he started to drink his wine uh, that he bought. And he also started to smoke eats so weed or whatever drug he had. And I thought, okay, this is gonna be a long night. And then every time he wanted to talk with me, he wanted to put like his hand on my thigh or okay. on my body. And after, uh, yeah, after that, I needed help with my bicycle and he used to run a bike shop. So I asked if he could look at my, my brake, because uh, it didn't really work properly. Mm-hmm. So I needed a new cable and he had one. So then I asked him could is it okay if I pay you and you can change the cable for me and you can buy a new one later on? He's like, "Yeah, it's 5 dollars. You have sex with me." And I said, "Oh, $5. That sounds good." He's like, "Oh, what well, why why don't you want to have sex with me?" I'm like, "Oh, first of all, I have a boyfriend. Second of all, I'm really not into it. Third of all, I'm really bad at it, you know, like I tried to like a, make a spun, you know, like yeah, yeah. joke around about it." And um, yeah, and and then he changed the cable for me. And then he, he asked again. I was like, "No, I'm not gonna have sex with you." And then at 12 o'clock uh, at night, I was like so exhausted, so I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go to bed now." He said, "Okay, but are you gonna sleep in that room or are you gonna sleep down where I'm sleeping?" "No, I'm, I'm gonna have this room." And then he did like a grumpy face and he looked really angry at me. Oh, weird. And then, yeah, and then I went into the room and there, there is no doors uh, in the whole house except on the bathroom. So I put my mattress down and uh, my bags and everything in the room and then I managed to fall asleep just because I had a long day. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up at three in the morning. It's pitch black in the whole whole house because it's in the forest. And I don't know if I woke up because I heard something or if I just felt that something Mm -hmm. was in the room. And then I just saw the contours of someone standing in the doorway and I thought like, shit, am I dreaming or is, is this really a person in here? And then I just hear like, hey, hey, do you mind if I sleep here right next to you? And I was like, fuck, like he's in my room, like I'm not dreaming. And I was so scared. Like I can't even explain now how scared I was. My heart was going like a rabbit. And well, then I, think, I think anybody I listening around. could
1: understand, you know? Like...
2: Yeah, no, but it was like, it was, it was horrible. And then I, I turned around and I pretended I was sleeping because he couldn't see mm-hmm. my eyes because it was too dark. And then I just felt how he put his my address next to me on the floor. And I'm like, okay, shit, he's he's here. And then he lay down and I just thought like, okay, if he has a gun or anything, like what should I do? Should I just like Mm -hmm. run out of here and like in the forest, should I fight him? Like I tried to kind of make like an emergency plan, but then he started to snore like really, really quick. So um, he fell asleep and I thought, okay, I need to get out of here so then i was gonna move all my stuff out of the room and the mattress but then it was this old wooden floor it was really like squeaky creaking, like in, so yeah. every step yeah so every step you took you just like heard it really well so i had to like synchronize it with his snoring so when he snored i took a step no first it took me like yeah it took me like 45 minutes to get all the stuff out to the living room and i was so scared like It it was really, really, really horrible. And then uh, it was too dark to leave because it was pitch black in the middle of the night. So I had to wait till 5.30 in the morning. And then I packed all my things and started to put it on the bike. And then I had one bike to to get and then he woke up. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, sorry, I I just couldn't sleep and I'm a little bit behind my case. So yeah, I just thought I I was going to go. He said, no, I'm coming with you. I'm like, no, 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 it's all good. And he's like, no, no, I'm coming with you. So he just jumped into his race suits, and I didn't want to like upset him because I thought mm-hmm. maybe he gets aggressive. So yeah. then I had to bike with him for like 30 more Ks and then he wants to stop for breakfast and then I just kept on going and I think I was just really, really lucky that I got away with nothing in the end because I think that's the situation, you know, like you're alone, a girl in the forest, in a house with a stranger in California. <laughs> like. You know anything could happen i and I learned from that that you should just listen to your stomach feeling yeah and if you feel it's like awkward or strange anything just go with it like don't even don't even care that it's gonna be awkward or strange because it's not worth it you know your life is more important and um, I think that's that as a girl you always have to be kind of that careful much more with that
1: on the alert
2: yeah because you know as a guy i guess you can get robbed you know that maybe someone want to have your bike or your phones or whatever but i don't think like it's not many people that are going to come just up and like kill you for just the sake of it you know then yeah. you are really really unlucky and as but a guy as you're a not girl, really
1: like... worried about getting raped that kind of thing you know either. no exactly like
2: yeah but i think like if a man wanna rape uh, rape you as a girl they also matter just like kill you because it's like okay you know, they already stepped over the lines. So it's like, okay, I don't want anyone to know about this. I can right. just kill her, especially if you're out in nowhere. So, I mean, you do have to be more careful. And I mean, I'm, I'm really used to hang out with guys since I've been snowboarding uh, my whole life. So I do ride with a lot of guys. So I also learned that I can't be so open and talk with guys the way I'm used to do because they take it wrong, you know, because mm-hmm. maybe they're not always used that females are friendly and... You know easy going and open-minded yeah so, so i mean on the road I, I i really i mean especially from that experience in in california and mm-hmm. it, it didn't help that me and frida we've been listening to the serial killer pod The moment we crossed america it, it didn't help you. the situation <laughs> 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 yeah because it was like literally you know i was laying down like mariel this is exactly how people end up in shit <laughs> and and yeah uh, anyway so i think as a woman you just have to be careful and also, if you're gonna stay in a tent, just make sure that no one sees where you put your tent up. If if you are free camping in the forest or in the bushes, right? Uh, or if you're gonna be at like a, a camp spot, make sure there is a few caravans around, or you know that you have people around you, so you feel like if something would happen, you can get help. Because I think it's more if someone sees you that you are alone. And then you are pretty vulnerable yeah.
1: well, i think uh, it's like you but, said too when you're in australia you'd go to the caravans near you and say hi and, and introduce yourself because it also yeah. it makes that sense of community right so you kind of build that little community for one night
2: yeah definitely and you know like you know like if you scream or something someone gonna hear you and they know who you are because you already went around and said hi so that was kind of the reason i also did that a little bit and um uh, then I also had a little bit of experience in in Australia with a man a older man he also invited me to stay in his place and he was super friendly in the start but then in the end of the night it was the same thing when when I was gonna go to bed he's like oh you can either take that uh, sleeping room or you sleep in here with me and I'm like w- I don't really get this thing you know where does this guys get
1: this, this idea signals that you know
2: mm-hmm. yeah exactly you know that like I, i'm a 36 year old girl like you're, you're 65 plus like i just been friendly and normal with you so i don't know just be careful and and uh, from now on i'm just gonna stay with the uh, like couples or like with women yeah. like I'm, unfortunately i'm not gonna stay with single men anymore because I just feel too uncomfortable with it like that you you don't know so just be careful if you're Mm -hmm. a girl you should definitely go for it you know like don't let this scare you and that's also why I'm doing this trip because I want to I want to be able to live my life and do the things I want to and and not let this stuff scare me yeah but you just need to be a bit careful and smart about stuff and that's it you know what I would say
1: yeah I knew some girls that said they had similar situations, even with couchsurfing, you know, because as couchsurfing became more and more popular and it grew from having, yeah. you know, when I first joined couchsurfing, it had like half a million subscribers and now it's out oh, of God. I don't even know. I haven't used it in quite some years, but it was at like 7 million. And it was a lot of guys like this one girl I knew, she said, yeah, you know, you go to Spain and it's like, they will, you've, you put out couchsurfing requests and the guys are only accepting females. It even says females only, you know, like. Oh
3: really? So,
1: and they they were having this issue yeah. in Spain. I'm not gonna say every Spanish person is like that, obviously, right? But there there was a situation nah. where a lot of people were saying like girls only. Well, what yeah. kind of girl in her right mind would choose to stay at some guy's place where he says girls only? this bad news nah. from the start, right? There's nothing good could come of that. Yeah. And then they'd you know, be like, and, and then he also, creeped on me, and he did this and that. I'm like, no shit. What are the odds? Like, <laughs> you gotta pick smart. Yeah, you know? and
2: I mean. Yeah, but it, it just kind of sucks, you know, like just because you're like a female and you want to like do this kind of stuff. Like, you, you know, what, when people ask me, like, what are you scared of when you're back around Australia? Like, I don't care about the snakes or the spiders. Right. I'm scared of men. I'm scared of humans, you know, like it's... And I'm not scared of the trucks or the road trains. It's like men is the answer I will give. And that that's so sad. It is like that, you know? Right. That uh, as a woman, you just have to be yeah careful but then then also in the end of the day when you go to the tent and you sleep in the night you're too scared too tired to be scared of stuff you know you're exhausted Mm -hmm. so it's yeah you don't think about it too much but just be careful and if you have like any feeling that this is not a good idea don't go for it (laughs) because your stomach is right i would say definitely yeah
1: follow your gut instinct i think there's times too though as a woman where it's it's also um, i had a I had dinner here in Phnom Penh one night with, I didn't host her as a Warm Shower's guest, but we had dinner and um, she said, sometimes as a woman, it's really great too, because people really like put out that extra caring towards you. Like they they really want to help and, you know, you get people stop and they talk and they they buy you stuff or food and you get, you know, so I said, sometimes it's advantageous, I guess.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's just sad that we, you know, just can't like feel comfortable around, humans you know no matter yeah. what sex we are like cause you always as a woman you always kind of have to have that thought in your mind a little bit like okay is this like a a good guy or not because right in the end of the day like if something happens we it's really really hard to get yourself out of a situation when it comes um to some things because we are weaker and not so powerful mm-hmm. i would say
1: Yeah, it's very unfortunate thing but I mean, it's good to see that like there are women like you out here doing that, doing epic rides, and you don't let it get in your way and but you got to just as you said, you got to follow your gut, be smart about it. And it's unfortunate that that's the case, but it doesn't have to stop. I
2: I mean, a big reason why I do this trip is also because I do want to inspire like both girls and guys that you can do things on your own, you know, like, we we don't need someone to do things in life like I want to show people that if you have a dream or something just go for it you don't always need you know someone else to back you up or put you because you learn so much of yourself Mm -hmm. about yourself when you do trips like this I think that's pretty cool like I I've been on a pretty cool journey myself you know not just like the the biking part like also with myself doing this trips because you do have a lot of time to think and you Mm -hmm. have to take really like important decisions, you know, and plan things. And yeah, it's, it's a really cool adventure to do things on your own, no matter if you're a guy or a girl, but uh, it's, it's cool if I can um, inspire more girls to be more independent and, you know, believe in yourself and, and yeah, and do stuff like this. Yeah. It's, it's really, really awesome.
1: (laughs) There was a really great little YouTube video i saw or i think it was youtube or maybe on facebook about a week ago and it was like a little girl in the backseat of the car and she's saying to her mom like i don't understand why princess jasmine needed aladdin like if she wants to travel she can just go and travel she doesn't need him she don't need no man like <laughs> i was like this is so great like that's amazing and yeah, kids like two years two years old you know <laughs> like three years old whatever she was <laughs>
2: yeah but she she has the right, right mindset already as a two-year-old i would say
1: she's like the carpet's not big enough like she doesn't need to be stuck and squeezed on the carpet she can just take it to herself
2: like. <laughs> that's so funny but it's so true no yeah. but definitely but i think that the the first question i get now when i've been writing on my own is like are you on your own you don't have company i'm like no i'm on my own and then the second is like are you not scared i think that's the the most common question i had really biking around australia yeah and then i always said to them no no i'm too tired to be scared (laughs) of things and then i think the third question was are you not scared of the road trains that was the the third one too (laughs) yeah
1: where do you uh where do you go surfing in indonesia where's your i've been to lombok Uh, to kuta beach that was really nice
2: yeah. Uh I'm actually I used to always, you know, fly into Bali and then I rent a scooter, then I drive first over Lombok, then I take next ferry over to Sumbawa. Oh yeah. Then I have nine more hours over Sumbawa with the scooter and then I go to Sumbawa to Lake. If you I don't know if you've been there, Lakey Peak. No. Have you heard about it? No. Okay, it. it's really, really really, really nice. Very quiet place and You know, like it's, I'm not a party girl, so it's very relaxed. I like to just be there and, you know, reading my books, taking a walk on the beach, go bike riding, hang out with the dogs, play backgammon. Oh, you play backgammon? Nice. (laughs) Yeah. When you come over, then my wife,
1: we can have a game, you, myself, or my wife.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be sick. But I'm also looking into now, because I heard there is the backgammon you can buy. So the board is actually made of like a fabric. So you kind of, uh, it's like a stack so i can have them oh. traveling like on the bicycle it's not even it doesn't take much space and no it's not way. heavy
1: if you find a link for yeah, that yeah. tell me i want to order one too for when i travel yeah, yeah, that's amazing yeah,
2: sure no yeah because i'm gonna get that now from canada because that's such a cool thing if you even if you just have lunch mm-hmm. to see even if you meet a truck driver hey you should we play a backgammon you know just yeah. to entertain it's yourself not as bit.
1: common people know it my wife's from my wife's from iran so she's uh like i go there and like her family is insane for it like we we have real but is she
2: is she the girl on the photo with you here on the whatsapp yeah yeah yeah, she's beautiful what a beautiful woman i was just i was just thinking when i saw her i'm like oh i wonder where she's from because she didn't look like too too canadian or like english or anything
1: Yeah, yeah yeah that's her so we got married about a year almost a year ago in iran so yeah oh okay cool if you do find the link to where you found this roll-up backgammon, that would be really, really amazing. I would definitely get one of those too. Yep. We have a really nice board in Canada that we brought from Iran that we sh- we mailed home. And so it's, it it's really, really nice. We have a huge shisha, like all these nice things from Iran.
2: No, but it, I think backgammon is such a, a good game to connect people because it's pretty easy. You don't need to be too smart. Yeah. You know, it's it's fun. So maybe we can start doing that. like. It, if we all touring people start having those backgammons with us when we touring, we can just starting a big battle and see who's That's the best it. bike bike tour backgammon player will be in the end. <laughs>
1: I'll make an extra page on my in my website where people can register who's winning against who and.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be pretty fun.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, we should just like have battles <laughs> backgammon. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna let you know where the link is. I'm gonna look into it too. Awesome to find
1: one all it, right well i think uh i think we're good this was an excellent excellent uh conversation thank you marielle
2: you're welcome chris it was fun talking to you was sorry it... about my english now I'm oh, a bit really into the...
1: it, make, it reminds no, me I'm of my year it. in sweden
2: <laughs> okay yeah that's good <laughs> a bit of reminding
1: except yeah. it's not very Skans- I... skanska like
2: yeah no my, my whole family is from down there it's a bit of different dialect that's mm-hmm. for sure
1: was there Did anything you else you wanted Swedish? um all i, I really i didn't put much effort in learning it and it was hard you know because everybody speaks english and it's, yeah. it's easy to be lazy okay. my housemate and stuff he really spent time studying it but all i know is like humor do yeah. okay <laughs> <That's Helvete. laughs> yeah uh, no, i mean it's not like a huge language
3: so
2: yeah, yeah i guess i, I really wish i would learn, to learn more
1: i didn't yeah um was okay. there anything else you'd like to yeah. share before we end this
2: no, but I just want to say like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm like so stiff because I've never been on an interview. Like, yeah, I don't know if you want to have like, do you want to have more about just like the Australian trip or more like on a pieces here and there, like from from the from everything. It doesn't matter. I don't, matter. I don't
1: mind. Like, I I like it kind of always. Um, I I think we talked a fair bit about the Australian trip. I don't know what else to ask about it. Um.
2: Yeah. No. But I think I think you. I think as overall, kind of it's, it's a success.
1: It. I think we we uh, we talked about a lot of things and uh, yeah, you can yeah, uh, episodes uh, you done. My stuff. Instagram has the uh, it, my bio goes right to my webpage. so it's there. Or any of your any podcast oh, okay. any podcast app actually as well, except for Google because I'm not in Canada and I'm Cambodia it doesn't work. Next week's our last week of school, so we've been really busy the last few weeks anyway. So it's like pausing it for a day or two. It didn't make a difference for me. It's okay. Okay, but
2: I can ask you, are you are you studying or are you working in I'm Vietnam? a teacher. What are you doing? I'm a teacher. Are you a teacher? Yeah. Okay. Are you and your wife moving back to Canada then? Yeah, we're like, actually you...
1: moving. Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: How do you feel about that? To going back it's, home?
1: It's crazy. Um, hold on. Let me, uh, I'm not going to hang up. I'm just going to stop the recording. Okay. Thank you, Marielle, for the wonderful, wonderful interview. Thank you for being on the show. I hope that you have an amazing tour through Canada. I look forward to meeting you, playing some backgammon, and keep doing what you're doing. It's great. Guys, I'm not sure that I'm going to have a show next week. I'm literally moving from Cambodia to Canada tomorrow. So when this airs, will probably be while I'm traveling. I think I'll be in Tokyo and I'll be finishing the editing and uploading. So I have an interview lined up. I have a few interviews lined up. But I'm not sure that I'll get it produced in time, so I can't promise that I have an interview released next week. But if I do, and I have the interviews done, and I have a chance to edit it, aside from all the other things I got going on, like re-registering myself in Canada, getting my driver's license updated, all these things, buying a car, if I get all that done, and I get the episode edited, it will be released. So, have a good week or two, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon. Bye, guys.
0: I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com/bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast to help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated and keep on peddling.